not just like ceramic bowls that your niece made that you eat out of when they come over, but like there's golden bowls. Now, don't get me wrong. The ceramic bowl your niece made is probably more precious than the golden bowl, okay? But the idea here is there's these beautiful golden bowls, and in the bowls are the prayers of the people of God. Brothers and sisters, listen. Don't ever think for one second when you talk to your heavenly Father, even if you feel like it hits the roof, that it doesn't matter to Him, because your prayers are so precious to the Father that He keeps them. Pastor Daniel will be talking today about how loved you are by the King of the universe. He'll remind you who you are in God's family and why that makes you so precious in His eyes. He cherishes you and He wants to spend time with you. But God is not pushy. He won't force you to be in His presence. But when you are, you'll see how good it is. There's peace and joy and comfort waiting for you. So take some time today and be with your Heavenly Father. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Revelation chapter 5 as he begins his message, Worthy is the Lamb. So as we've been traveling together through the book of Revelation, I never realized it'd be such a novel concept that the revelation of Jesus Christ being focused on Jesus himself would really land the way it's landed with people. Because we have a tendency to think that life is about a bunch of other things other than the simple reality that life is meant to be a continual revelation of who Jesus is. That word revelation in the Greek language is the Greek word apocalypsis, which literally means the unveiling. The root, or they call it the etymology of the word, is literally to open up a box to see what's inside. And what I want you to know is that every single day of your life, every single season of your life, whether it's a good day or a bad day, whether great things are happening or tragic things are happening, God's plan is always exactly the same. He wants to reveal Jesus to you, in you, and through you. I'm going to say that again, because that's just some straight up good Bible for y'all. God's plan is always to reveal Jesus to you, so you know him, in you, so that you're remade to be like him and then through you which is us joining God in his mission to reach the world everything you go through whether you're a student and you're just trying your hardest to make it to the end of the school year cramming for finals whether you're a grandparent and just can't wait for the parents to come back from vacation Whether you're in those middle years of kind of grinding out work and it's all the same. God wants to reveal Jesus to you, in you, and through you. And when we lose sight of that, life becomes about all sorts of other things. Not necessarily bad things, of course, unless they are bad things. But when life is centered on, this is about revealing Jesus. What does this teach me about who Jesus is? about who I am and where God is growing me up and about how I can, by the power of the Holy Spirit, be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. When we land there, then life becomes a beautiful challenge and adventure because it's always the same. Your spouse you've been married to for a while, 
Can you be Jesus to your spouse? That spouse you've been married to for just a little bit, and they're all challenging. Can you become more like Jesus right now? When things are bewildering, can we see Jesus? This is where life in Christ, what Jesus calls the abundant life, this is what life is really supposed to be about. But we live in a day and age, they, call, they say that today it's the attention economy, right? It's why, like, if you watch, like, your on-demand, whatever you watch your stuff on, why it automatically goes to the next episode. Because they realize that if it just starts, you'll stay, right? It's why we're so used to things. Everything's designed to keep your attention because your attention is what they're looking for. And what's amazing is, it's said this way, wherever your attention is, That's where your affection goes. And so our world is designed to keep our attention, but with attention goes affection. And Jesus, in a still small voice, reverberating off the pages of scripture and by his spirit says, maybe not give your attention there. Can you just be here with me in this? And I believe that what God is desiring to do in me, in all of us, is for us to have a, we need to be spoiled so that our attention is only given to Jesus. What would it look like for you if your affection was so bound up in Jesus that all this other stuff just didn't even really matter? You're like, okay, I'll pray for that, rather than getting caught up into it all. And I think that's why we gather together. That's why God encouraged us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And not only when we gather on Sundays, but as we get together in small groups throughout the week and all the different discipleship times, and as we gather to pray and we call people on the phone, is because God wants us to have continual reminders that we need to put our attention in the only place that is truly eternal. And really, it's when our attention is on Jesus and our eyes are on Jesus and our affection is for Jesus that when we're looking at all the issues of the world, that we'll actually have a proper perspective, that we can actually be salt and light in this world. And I've been just loving, it's been an honor to get to study the book of Revelation with you all thus far. Like, it's been a distinct privilege of mine to be like, Lord, what does this teach me about who you are? And so let's continue on today, okay? So open your Bibles, Revelation chapter five. We're gonna take verses eight to 14 together. So if you brought your Bibles, open that baby up. You know what the book of Revelation is. It's at the end of the book. So if you have a smartphone, go to Revelation 5, verses 8 to 14. We're in this beautiful scene of heaven, and we're seeing what's going on in heaven. And we just saw that Jesus came, and he took the scroll out of the hand of him who sits on the throne, right? And when that happens, Jesus takes the scroll, and then we see praise erupting in heaven, praise just erupts. Look at what happens. Verse eight, it says this. Now, when he, speaking of Jesus, had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and a golden bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe, tongue, and people and nation. 
and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Imagine this. So John sees this vision. Jesus, the Lamb of God, takes a scroll, and when he does that, remember the four living creatures, these four angels? They had six wings. They were full of eyes. They had different faces on. They fall down, and then there's the 24 elders, and they all fall down literally prostrated before. It's a sign of submission and reverence. So when Jesus takes the scroll, everybody face plants, right? Nobody said, okay, time to lay down in submission. No, no, everyone just knew this is big. And it's interesting that it says that the 24 elders, they each have a harp, which is cool. In heaven, everyone's gonna be a rocking guitar player. Listen, air guitar, that's why everyone universally plays air guitar. You got a harp in heaven? You're going to be like, I'm going to be sitting there tapping. Mine will be a bass, though. It's going to be cool. You guys have six strings. I'll have four or five, depending on how it works. But everyone's got a harp. And what's interesting, they all have these, this is very powerful. It says that they have these golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Now, nobody ever thought about their prayers like this. That in heaven, there are not just like ceramic bowls that your niece made that you eat out of when they come over. But like there's golden bowls. Now, don't get me wrong. The ceramic bowl your niece made is probably more precious than the golden bowl, okay? But the idea here is there's these beautiful golden bowls and in the bowls are the prayers of the people of God. Brothers and sisters, listen. Don't ever think for one second when you talk to your heavenly father, even if you feel like it hits the roof, that it doesn't matter to him because your prayers are so precious to the father that he keeps them. Every parent knows what this is like. We all got those boxes in our closet with like the arts and crafts thing from kindergarten, right? Like I just had it, Annabelle, I took a picture of it. Annabelle, my eight-year-old, she's writing sentences. And so every day she writes about a different topic. So sure enough, the other day she wrote the dad one. She's like, I should just read it to you guys. You want to hear this one? Here you go. It's so good. I wasn't even planning on sharing this, but it's so like, it blessed my heart so much. And Annabelle, she's like, dad, I wrote about you today. And now it was so cool. She's eight. So she writes half of her D's as B's. So you can call me dab going forward. (laughs) My dad is smart. He is funny. He is loving. He hugs me. He is a pastor. His name is Daniel. (laughs) You think I'm keeping that? You bet your bottom dollar daddy Warbucks I'm keeping that. She wrote that. That's my my story right there. And she said, I'm smart and funny, which is super cool. (laughs) On the second page, it actually says that I have dreads too, but we all knew that already. But what's so funny about that is like, because she made that, we keep that kind of stuff. And that's exactly how your heavenly father sees your prayers. It is like the sweetest thing you can do for your heavenly father is when you come, whether it's with tears and an ugly cry or whether you're like, Lord, thank you so much for this life that you've given me and thank you for all that I'm going through right now. Thank you for breath in my lungs. The father keeps that and all the elders get to see that. And I just imagine the father being like, my kid gave me that. So brothers and sisters, listen, you want revelation? You want Jesus revealed? Be people of prayer. I'm here to tell you the only way to pray. It's like my Annabelle. She just writing one sentence at a time. One day she's going to be writing paragraphs. She'll be writing novels and books, but it starts with one sentence at a time. So if you're brand new to prayer, don't overthink it. You're just talking to God. That's all you're doing. You're talking to Father. Sometimes it's like, Lord, I have no clue what's going on. That's one of my daily prayers. My other daily prayer is, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Right? When I'm saying, Lord, I believe in you, but in all the ways that I doubt, help me there. 
Lord, will you work here? See, and really prayer is not tools to get. Prayer is actually a tool to be and become. We get formed into the likeness of Jesus in prayer. And God keeps those prayers. So be a person of prayer. Pray together. Start little prayer meetings. Start big prayer meetings. Just God loves when we pray. And then it says, they sang a new song saying. And so here's the principle of this whole song. So I'll give you the big idea and then we'll break it down. It says, really this song, this praise chorus is that Jesus redeems from every tribe, nation, and tongue. And I get that notice. It's like, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals for you were slain. You have redeemed us to God by your hand. And now notice, out of every tribe, tongue, and people, and nation. So Jesus is being praised because he was worthy to take the scroll. The scroll was given to him because of his intrinsic worth, right? And he's able to open the seals. Why? Because he was slain and he had redeemed us to God by his blood. Now, don't miss this. Jesus's redemption, the price of Jesus's redemption is the fact that he was slain. So our redemption, if you're a follower of Jesus, and I realize not everyone here at Crossroads is, and if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, that's okay. We want you to be here with us. We do want you to put your faith and trust in Jesus. Don't get me wrong. We're going to do everything we know how to do. We're praying. We're going to talk to you about it. But listen, we realize everyone's in process, and God knows where everyone is, and God's going to, he's doing the work in each one of us. And we can't, we don't want eggs to hatch before their time. We don't want babies to born until they're full term, all the stuff. We trust God's timing. But here's the deal. The way a person gets bought back is through the death of Jesus. There's no other way. And the big spiritual question in our culture, in a culture that is pluralistic, where what that means is there's not a privileged idea. It's fascinating. We should talk about pluralism one day in depth. Because it's, the idea is that we live in a society where no opinions are given the most important place. Now, you realize our culture, that's changing now. There was a time where it was like, no, no, listen, hey, hold on. We're a pluralistic society. Now it's like, no, there is one position that is getting shoved down everyone's throat all day long. And it's not this position, right? That's a different discussion for another day. But here's the deal. The big question is, how is a person to be changed or saved? And in the buffet of spiritual beliefs, there's a lot of different ideas about this. But the biblical idea is very, very simple and very, very specific. A person is bought back when one person gives up his life for another. In the Old Testament, it was through the animal sacrifice, but those were temporary. In the New Testament, all those sacrifices point us to Jesus and his death on the cross. A person is saved, not because you will do better, but you will. A person is saved because Jesus died in our place. My salvation, brothers and sisters, your salvation it's not about what you do. It's about what Jesus has already done. You and I cannot, no matter how hard we try, we cannot bear the burden or the weight of the debt that we owe. Jesus is the only one, not only can he bear it, he chose to bear it and he died for us. So redemption, amen. Redemption comes from the death of Jesus. The price of redemption was Jesus's own life. The mode of redemption, notice, you redeemed us by your blood. The idea of the blood of Jesus speaks of his life. All the way back in the book of Leviticus, it says life is in the blood. The idea is that when someone dies, when your heart starts pumping, 
blood stops pumping, and then everything shuts down. Pretty much the way that it goes, right? So the biblical idea is that life is in the blood. So the idea of the blood of Jesus is literally speaking of the reality of his death. His blood was shed. And it says, without the shedding of blood in those scriptures, there is no remission of sin. So the redemption comes through the mode of Jesus's, his blood, his death. Now, what's beautiful about all this, it says, he has redeemed us by his blood out of every tribe, tongue, and people, and nation. Now, this, so much of how we should view life is seen right here, is that Jesus redeems from every tribe, every tongue, every people, and every nation. Now, I want to talk to those of you who are Christians right now. This verse alone does away with every sort of racism, sexism, classism, all that stuff gets done away right here in this verse. Underline it, circle it, circle it in your neighbor's Bible. Listen, you're allowed to have pride in who you are and your background, but Jesus does not privilege one people, tribe, nation, or tongue. So it's a delicate balance to love where we live and love our people and root for our teams when they're in the World Cup or the Olympics and all that stuff. And not move to the point where you think that Jesus loves us more than another person. Jesus redeems out of every nation. Every tribe, which is a group of people within that nation. Every tongue, a niche group within that tribe. All the people. The people of God is a multi-ethnic group. I mean, just look around the sanctuary. There's all, like... The different nationalities that we have here at Crossroads. It's a little slice of heaven. And God is interested in people no matter where they're born. And we need to make sure that in our views of people, we realize that Jesus redeems out of all the earth. And we do not have preferences for some people over other people. In Christ, we are one body. I've gotten the chance over the years to travel all over the globe. I've gotten to worship in so many different wild contexts. But what's amazing is, is everywhere I've ever been, when I'm at a church gathering, I'm there with my brothers and sisters. I remember when we were at Lynn and I, my bride, Obadiah was like one years old. So cool. But I took his first uh, steps in, old, in the old city of Jerusalem. He had these little bunny slippers on. It was so cool. I'm like, man, you started walking where Jesus walked around. This is so righteous. But I remember we went to this worship service, and it was amazing. The worship service was in Russian, it was in Arabic, and it was in Hebrew. The whole worship service. And I just remember I'm in this worship service. Now, here's the deal. I can barely speak English, right? So people are like, oh, you're Italian, you can speak Italian. No, I can't. If I'm speaking Italian, I'm saying things I shouldn't say. The only Italian words I heard growing up were curse words. <laughs> Other than food, you know, spaghetti and lasagna. I mean, I got all that. I'm cappuccino, I'm good. You know, everything else is like, I don't know any Italian, right? But literally, I'm in this worship service, and they're literally worshiping in three different languages, and I'm overcome with emotion. Because I realize that this is what heaven looks like. I remember when we went out to Africa. And I remember worshiping with the, with the church in Kenya. Man, Pastor Mike was joking. Hey, he's like, hey, man, we should keep worshiping in Nairobi. They wouldn't stop, man. 
It's like literally, I think our drummer almost died when we were doing worship. Because they were like, well, I'm like, we're like, keep going. People were dancing and we're praising God. And literally, Jeremy, I love the drummer. He was just drenched. He was like, it was soaking wet. And he was just playing, he was playing. And we were just playing. It was just like, it was unbelievable. Because it's the praises of God rising up. I remember when I was in Peru, South America. I'll never forget it because we were in this little tent worshiping. And literally, we were like teaching the worship leaders how to tune their guitars. They didn't even know how to tune their guitars. You didn't even need the guitars tuned because Jesus was real in that moment. I remember worshiping in the fields in India, surrounded by cows. Like it was like, I'm like, this is, but everywhere you go, you're like, these are my brothers and sisters. This is my family. I'm going to spend eternity in heaven with them. Now, in the same way, this is why, as a church family, we are absolutely committed not just to worship Jesus and reach our community. We're committed to reaching our world as well. This idea that Jesus has redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe, tongue, and people, and nation is why we, as a church family, are committed. You know, love now. We have the L-O-V-E framework. The E is we want to engage the least engaged with the gospel. If you look at the map, the least number and least engaged people for the gospel go across Northern Africa, the Middle East, Southeast Asia, and out into the Far East. It's, they call it the 1040 window, 10 degrees to 40 degrees on a map. You go right across it. It's got 98% of the unreached people groups in the world. There are people who don't even have the opportunity to hear John 3.16 in their own language. And as a church family, we are committed to changing that. We support missionaries in some of the most restricted places in the world. We can't talk about a lot of it because of security concerns, but I need you to be praying about it. Because in heaven, there will be people who have been redeemed from every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every people. And I can't wait for that day and people that come up to you and say, hey, I want to thank you so much for being a part of the Crossroads family and your generosity because your church sent missionaries into our community who brought the gospel. And we came to know Jesus because of that. As a church family, we realize God loves all the people on the globe. And really, as we have Jesus revealed to us and in us and through us, we begin to see people for who they are. Now, what's amazing is, and this is important, there's a lot of discussion, especially here in America, there's a lot of racial tension and racial reconciliation that's needed. And a lot of people say, well, you know, I'm colorblind. God isn't colorblind. It's interesting, in heaven, they're still from different tribes. They're still from different nations. And God doesn't want us to be colorblind. God wants us to have a kaleidoscope of color in our world. Jesus is Heaven is going to be filled with people from every nation on earth. People from America, Africa, Russia, India, everywhere, every color, all ages. All people on earth have the chance to be part of God's family. So why do we ever feel superior? Pastor Daniel challenged you today to see everyone around you through the lens God uses. He doesn't see an inferior person. He sees a lost lamb in need of a shepherd. And he sees you the exact same way. You need him as much as everyone else. 
Pastor Daniel's message today is just one of many he shared from a variety of books in the Bible. Would you like to explore more? Just visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to access our library of audio. You can also connect with Pastor Daniel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram through the links you'll find at the bottom of the page, JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com, click on the Stations option in the main menu, and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will remind you of the Great Commission, the words Jesus left with his followers when he returned to heaven. These words are meant for you too, so listen closely. Go into all the world and make disciples in Jesus' name. That's what we're to do as believers, and that really does include all of us. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series, A Year of Revelation. Please glance at the clock right now. Make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.